0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of On Air with Danielle Gray. This is Deep Dive Conversations, and I'd like to introduce you my guest that I will be interviewing. So let's introduce Jason. Hey, Jason.
1: Hey, how we doing? Thanks for having me. This is exciting, and thank you for this opportunity to share my story and Hopefully that what I share will help those that listen. So that's what I'm here for. So thank you very much.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for being on this baby podcast. Yeah. Much. And thank you for helping me help other people too, just by interviewing you and by getting the word out about all these struggles and issues that we can overcome and hopefully find hope all these things. Let's yep. get into the conversation, I guess. Um, yeah. So I remember you contacting me and telling me your wife cancer. What was that like?
1: Um, I didn't catch the last part, but
0: oh yeah, um, that's okay. Um, that uh, your wife had cancer at some point. What was that like dealing with that?
1: Well, it was. It was difficult and surprising. Yeah. So, and I think all cancer diagnoses can be very surprising and tr- traumatic. <laughs> because for us, in a matter of a month, um, my wife discovered a lump in her stomach. And then fast forward 30 days, and we're in the hospital. Um, having exploratory surgery and trying to figure out what the heck was going on. So it didn't give us a lot of time to mentally prepare or to try to, we were just kind of in, um, in shock and saying to ourselves, let's just, let's just figure what this is out and then we can move on with our life. (laughs) And then in the hospital, um, the doctor comes into the waiting room and looks at me and says, Jason, I'm so sorry, uh, but your wife has stage four colon cancer. And, and, and those words just hit home to my heart and my brain started to run all over and many different directions. And I was thinking, how, how do I deal with this? How am I going to tell my boys? I have two boys that were, um, well, how old were they? 12 and six. Okay. And how am I going to pay for this? How are we going to, how am I going to still work? So it was, uh, uh, it, and, and what I've learned is when you go through like a hard traumatic event, the brain like takes a picture. <laughs> and in my brain, I can relive that picture and those emotions that I'll never forget when the doctor told us we had stage four colon cancer. So um, it, it it's life altering. <laughs> and forever I've been changed from that one um, sentence from the doctor that your wife has colon cancer. So um, I remember being in the waiting room when my wife was coming out after surgery, Um, and this probably hits home to you, Daniel, today, so, um, but I'm not going to hold back because um, it, it can help, and it can, it can help you through the process or whatever you're, you're, what you're feeling, but she woke up, she looked at us, and she looked at me and goes, it's really bad, isn't it? And I said, yes. And I just started crying. <laughs> didn't know what to say and console her. And again, the brain didn't turn off. And I was just like, how the heck am I going to deal with life? Like my life just got tipped upside down and now I'm supposed to pick up the pieces and I'm supposed to live life. This just doesn't seem fair. So I remember running down the hallway after the doctor. <laughs> and I said, doctor, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to, what's treatment look like? What, how long is she going to live? Is this going to be success? And I was just like, because my brain couldn't shut off. And doctor looked at me again and said, Jason, you're going to be okay. And I, at the time, I didn't think I was going to be okay. And then the doctor said another phrase that I'll never forget it says Jason, cancer has a way of enhancing your life. And um, I, at the time, I didn't want to hear that because I didn't want to know I my life was good before this traumatic event, <laughs> this life altering event. My life was good, and I was enjoying helping and helping my family and and now the doctor says this is going to enhance your life so I was angry and upset and I was just like why is this happening to me why does this happen to me when I'm and my my role is I'm a therapist and I was helping people in in recovery and helping with active addictions and I was just like I, got to keep helping people. I don't have time. And it just, it just didn't feel fair. And, and I just, this heaviness sat on my shoulders. And, and I know for me as a male, I was like, well, I got to be the strong one. So I took my mask and I just put it on the, the strong person mask that I got to be okay because if I'm weak, then everybody else is going to struggle. So I just was struggling inside, but I put on a mask to protect my emotions so that I could try to get through what had just been dropped in my lap.
0: I'm so weak. On my mask to deal with it has been my kind of role. And, um, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. I, that is just mind-blowing news. Uh, I can't believe it, and just to know that you're a therapist already and helping people—that's uh, unbelievable. Um, how did your voice take the news? Cause how you were dealing with it?
1: Yeah, that was that was a hard news because what are you gonna tell them?
0: <laughs> yeah. How do you tell kids? How do you?
1: How do you tell mom that or tell the boys that mom's going to be sick? Mom's going to be going to the hospital all the time and taking a lot of pills. And it's just like, gosh, I, I don't know what to tell them. And we had, we sat on it for a while. Cause I didn't want to freak them out or didn't want to scare them,
0: Yeah, that's what but,
1: but I wanted to be open mm-hmm. to as much information as they wanted to hear. So we sat them down and we didn't want to sugarcoat anything. But I think for young kids, you don't want to tell them too much because they can't handle everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But they know what's going on. So it's better to tell them everything. like as much as possible.
1: Yeah, they're kids are observant. So I wanted to say, Boss and Cooper. Um, We went to the hospital and mom is, mom is sick and she has cancer. Yeah. And we said, what questions do you want to ask us about, about this? And believe it or not, my, my oldest son knew a little bit. My son said, well, how bad is it? (laughs) What stages it is? And I was like, oh, wow. Um, I said, we said, well, it's it's stage four, but we are going to get treatment and we are going to do everything the doctor said and we are going to do the best to fight this. And they said, is mom going to die? <laughs> because that's all they associate. And I says, we don't know. But what we are going to do is is we're going to we're gonna fight we're gonna fight for mom and we're gonna do our best and we're going to rally around mom and we are gonna do the best to help her out. And they looked at us and said, "Okay, okay, Dad." And that's all they wanted to know. And um, I said, "If you have any more questions." Come talk to us because we want to be open and we want to tell you how things are going. And we left it as an open invitation to talk. So if it ever got weird or like wise mom's hair gone or wise mom taking all these pills or wise mom sleeping all the time, we wanted to keep having that open conversation with what they're going to be asked. We didn't want to protect them or we wanted them to experience what they are willing to ask and just be transparent with them.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's good for kids to do that. Um To feel their feelings and to be part of the experience because you don't want to shut your kid out when there's this big thing in your life. Kids you notice everything. So it, it's kind of hard to shut them out of something that's going to affect them. Yep. And it's... And I think that you did a great job of doing that with your kids. Yeah. You did the best that you could. And I think that you did an amazing job of keeping that communication open and letting them come to you and also with how you dealt with it and how your life I think that was scary. Um, um, I,
1: I, I hope I did a good job. I, I think when you, as something is thrown in your lap, sometimes you don't get the chance to really prepare, no. <laughs> but you just got to just sometimes in your heart of heart, uh, you just got to do what the, what you think is the best thing. Yeah. And for me and my wife, we just felt like we wanted, that was the best thing in the moment for me and our family. So
0: I think that you handled it amazing place it's just it's the hard thing to tell anybody but for kids wow I think that you handled it amazing thank you did you end up losing your wife to stage four cancer
1: so the the story goes is we did everything the doctor said would do scans and we'd go back for appointments and we didn't see any improvement, and um, that's the hard part. Is we we tried to fight it with being positive and and, and pray to God for a miracle, but um, nothing improved. So nine months after getting diagnosed, she passed away, and um, I remember how that the the funerals are great, but I remember how hard. After the funeral was, I think a lot of people don't realize that people are rallying around you, and you got adrenaline, and you got things to do with organizing. It just kind of sustains you. But once the funeral is over, I just remember sitting in my room and just like I didn't want to get out of bed. <laughs> I didn't want to go take a shower. I didn't want to go work. I just I was like, this sucks bad. And I just, I, I felt like depression was creeping in and, and I was like, I just don't want to do anything because yeah. I know outside of my door was the harsh reality of trying to pick up the pieces and trying to do things um, that my wife would do. So I was like, out there is waiting. And I remember getting a knock at the door. And my son just says, dad, can you make me breakfast? <laughs> and, and and that was a, that was a good, good moment because I knew I had to get out of bed. I got to be a dad. Yeah. So my, my kids still needed me like as as bad and depressed as I was. I, my kids still needed a dad and someone to help them. So I got up and I started moving and. My mantra was like, I'm just going to do it today. <laughs> I'm just going to get through the day. And, and and that was my mantra. Just get up and feed the kids and try to shower or just try to do the next right thing. And um, that's what I did just to get through. And, and, and I remember trying to the best I can. And then my boss calls and says, we need you at work. We need you to get back. And I was just like, I don't get a break. Um, so that mask I put on got even thicker, because I, I remember I'm a therapist, I had to go and help clients with their own trauma, there's there's emotional trauma, there's sexual trauma, there, and I had to be strong for them, so I wore another mask, and um, it just, it got heavy, just trying to hide how tough it was, and I remember a pivotal moment, Daniel, when I walked I came in, and my twelve-year-old son's like looking at me, and he goes, "You know what, Dad? You come home angry every day." Oh no! no. I was like, "I'm not hiding it. I'm not doing a good job hiding it." And i I think this is a good real realization for people when you go through a hard moment. As good as you protect and try to hide, it's it comes out, it leaks out, it just shows up, and. I was like, I got to do something. But I was like, I don't know what to do. And that was hard. It was like, my boys need me. I need to work. And I just didn't know what to do. And I was just like, I just cry because I was stuck. Because I didn't want to take off my mask. Because I didn't want my kids to suffer. Um, I was like, I got to keep working. I just was stuck. And I was just like, help. Like, what do I do? And I remember finally, I was at work and I just had enough. And I was just like, I, I just need to go take a lunch break. And I remember going, driving around and driving to a church parking lot and just sitting just like, I, this is too hard to do it by myself. I was like, the pain of holding on the mask is too hard. So I am going to reach out to my friends and family. So I, I, I pulled out my phone yeah. and I, I sent a text to, I think it was like 14 people. And I said, hey, I'm not doing very good. I need, I need you guys to show up to my house so I can just tell you how my life is going and how hard it is. And I just sent it and I was just like, come on. <laughs> That's
0: the hardest thing to do is asking for help. But it's good that your kid called you out on it. It's good that your kid noticed and called you out on it. That is amazing and literally made you kind of realize, I need to get a little bit of help. And just the fact that like people do, after the funeral, like people go back to being normal lives. It's it's just you, you don't have a normal life anymore.
1: Yeah. People just di- disappear because they don't know. Yeah. They don't know what to do for you.
0: Yeah. They just go back to their normal lives and you are just, you're stuck in this weird place where it's not normal anymore. Yeah. But it's good that your kid noticed and called you out on the, hey, you're not happy. Yeah. It's great that your kid was like able to be so open with you and say, hey, you're not happy dad like there's something wrong and it made you kind of go okay i'm gonna do the worst thing like that like i have to do i have to ask for help i don't want to ask for help but like you gotta ask for help sometimes it's the hardest thing to do but you gotta do so i understand that completely
1: well it was it was very hard i i again i i when I talk to people, it's, it's hard for a male to admit you need help and be vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's hard for everybody. But for me, it's like,
0: oh, I'm yeah, a dad, yeah.
1: Like, but I, but culture is like, I got to be strong. I can't show weakness. And yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't want to let my kids know how I actually feel. So it's just like, but I just like, I'm I'm just doing it. And I remember later that day, I was just like, I hope people show up. <laughs> and the amazing part is, everybody I text that day showed up to my house, and we sat in a, we sat in my living room, and and I finally just surrendered and just took off my mask, and I just began to cry and just tell them how hard it was, and it was am- it was amazing that, I think people were waiting to help, and I think this is true for a lot of people. People are waiting to help, but you almost have to give them an invitation into that circle to begin either asking you or sitting in those emotions with you. And And that's what I did. I noticed people were just crying with me and they're just saying, is there anything else, Jason? And it was, it was liberating and, and I was just like, take off my rocks, my backpack I've been carrying and I just put them down and said... This is too heavy and I can't do it much longer. And um so it's like I called my own intervention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for them to just say, Jason, you're not doing well, like <laughs> let's get you to somewhere. And um they didn't do that. They just listened and they listened about um what I needed help with. Mm-hmm. Um either with meals or the house or different things. And they made note of that. And in that healing team, I we made a captain of the team and the team could, and that could be my person that would reach out and help me. And also what I did is I made a, a code word whenever things got super hard, overwhelming, I was triggered. I could text that code word to my team captain and and what that team captain would do is when we left everybody had like an assignment that they could do and help me with and, and if i ever sent that code word to the team captain the team captain could throw it out to everybody and everybody would go into action to start taking things off my plate and helping me deal with things and the amazing thing is All I had to do was send one word and everybody could go into action and everybody could help me. So when I would send that, my parents would come over, they'd do my laundry. (laughs) That took stress off. Um, Someone would take care of my yard work. That would take stress off. Someone would start bringing meals in. That would take stress off. Someone would start texting me uplifting messages. That would take stress. My friend would take me to lunch someone would come take off the kids and I could breathe because I had didn't have to worry about those stressors and I was like oh my gosh this is my healing team to get better they really wanted me to get better and help and it was it was it was probably my turning point of feeling happier and there was hope again
0: Community, that's amazing. And just one code word. That's, yeah, that's awesome. One code word. That that is good. People should be taking using that with their community and their friends and their family because that is brilliant. And it it, it does take a lot of stress off. Just these little things take stress off, and I just I can't believe what you went through. <laughs> so, I'm still in shock because it's just your story is so. I'm sure other people have stories very similar to this, but the fact that you're just so open about it, it just, it's just so amazing and so sad at the same time. Well, and I'm well, so glad that you're vulnerable about it.
1: Well, I, I see it as a gift. Yeah. And if I don't share it, then. I'm not that grateful for it and what I learned and what I did. And if it can help some someone else, then it's like awesome. So you don't have to experience things that I went through. So it's 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 I think it's for me, it's also healing to talk about it. And I think what's nice is at the beginning when I start talking about it, um, I would get really emotional and overwhelmed and then I wouldn't be able to talk about it for like a week
0: (laughs) it's exhausting to kind of let yourself feel yeah
1: Yeah. but but what I've noticed because someone says how do you how did you know you're getting better Jason well and and I when I talk to people that have gone through trauma and addiction and and difficult moments is at the beginning obviously your intense emotions of sharing your story is going to be like. Oh yeah. And that's that's normal because of you're just reliving those experiences. But what I found is as you lean into the discomfort and you share, don't share the same story and you get to the same point every time, but challenge yourself and go a little bit more. And as you share more, your intense emotions each time you share you they decrease and 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 when you that's how you know you're getting better is that the intensity of those emotions are small so there's there's times when i talk about this and i will get emotional but it doesn't wipe me out the rest of the day and i was like well there's still a little bit there but I know I'm getting better because I can, I can still enjoy the rest of the day. And that's, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> getting through it and you're feeling. Oh gosh. So how did you find a way to kind of help other people through these the feelings or these process? Cause I know that you're a therapist, but did you go beyond that?
1: I did. Um, so after that healing team, um, I realized my emotions and how I was living my life was my my brain was on auto replay. Yeah. I was replaying what it's like to take care of my wife, what it's like um, to um, have her deal with cancer and dying. And those emotions were just going over and over. And I was feeling the emotions over and I wasn't getting better. And I was like, I can't live my life with this, my memories and thoughts on replay. So I said, I need to uh, make happy memories. So what I did with my boys is I, I decided to quit my job. And um, become a dad again. My boys needed a dad. And I remember sitting down at the kitchen table and I said, guys, I care about you. And I want us to be able to create some happy memories. So let's make a bucket list of things that we could do together and reconnect and, and be something that we could begin um, building our new life off of because obviously our old life was sad and but we wanted to create happy memories that built us and then continue to honor my wife so we weren't forgetting about her and we were almost like making memories as as if she was here to sustain us (laughs) and that's what we did we just went to work and just had fun that summer but what we did is we involved other people in the process because the opposite of grief, the opposite of addiction, the opposite of depression and trauma, is really connection, is connecting back to people. and, and that connection, it just feels is just the way to heal. So we connected, we I connected back with my boys. Connected with friends, connected with God again after being angry and upset, and, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is my team that is helping me through this process." So that was that was important to do, and and I don't know if everybody can do that, but um, we our our things were really simple. A couple of things on that list were we planted two trees in my wife's honor in the backyard but we wrote letters to her and we put them in plastic bags and we buried them with the trees. And I invited some of the neighbors that knew my wife and that was a special moment for us. Um, We went and um, went horseback riding (laughs) with my sister and we made memories and we made happy memories. We went and, On an airplane ride Um, a private airplane that we flew around that's what my boys wanted to do and it's a memory that was a happy we enjoyed it and we'll never forget it and it's that those are the memories that help us enjoy our new life moving forward and connection really is just love
0: so it makes sense that you would want to connect with everybody again because you want to connect with that love. Yep, I think that's beautiful. Um, um you happen to show me two books. Did you write those with your kids?
1: So these are um these these are children's books that help when people go through hard moments, and uh, we have books about cancer, about grief about getting your when life gives you lemons you get lemonade um what what these are is um the story is on that that bucket list is we made a lemonade stand and um part of the lemonade stand is we wanted to make a sunshine bucket have a bunch of yellow and fun stuff and go Go give back to people that were grieving or having a hard time or cancer. Uh, and we want to make happy memories. Yeah. So my boys, we made a lemonade stand and we wanted to raise hundred dollars, and we'd get two baskets that we'd deliver to families. By the time the lemonade stand was over, we had a hundred or fifteen hundred dollars, and we made twenty five baskets. And the way that we also started healing was um, giving and delivering these baskets to people that were struggling. And it's truly empowering and healing to be able to take your suffering and, and, and put it over here for now, but also go cheer someone up or go help sit in those emotions with people. And I I remember delivering the first couple of baskets and my boys came out and they're like, that was awesome, dad, that family really needed our help. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is truly amazing. So we started on a journey of helping and delivering these baskets because people needed it. And I began to see my boys begin to shift um, and it was almost like therapy for them where they were less angry. They were talking about how they were feeling Um, instead of just coming home and maybe jumping on the Xbox or just checking out They're, they're, they're saying, Hey, can we go shopping for, yellow stuff? Can we go shopping for the baskets? And, and it was like they were processing their emotions by helping another person heal. And it was like, I can't believe this is happening. This is so cool. And and for me too, I was, I was finally healing from the inside out and I wasn't waiting around for my pain and my traumatic event to get better because i knew if i just sat in my bed that day i would still be there <laughs> but but i had to take a step forward and lean into the storm so that i can get happier and healthier and i can enjoy that with my boys so this became so powerful and we also felt like people needed resources and tools and me and my my biggest support we begin to write these books to help families and teach them and because people needed them. I I found there's limited resources when people grieve or go through cancer. And I was like, they need those. Let's go create those for people. So that's, that's where these books came from is not being able to have resources to help. And now we created them so that we can share them and give and, and have experiences to help them get happier and healthier.
0: And you have such beautiful basket names too. Do you mind sharing them with me? And our what's that? What's that? Mind sharing the basket names with um our listeners. because um, I know they have such beautiful basket names that you have for each.
1: Well we um it's interesting because we've got people loved the baskets. And then people started reaching from all across the country because they were struggling and going through hard times. And, uh, I, I was like, how are we going to help those people? So we designed a box that we could ship out to people. And, uh, so we have, um, boxes to be able to help with, um, grief and cancer and people that have mental illness that are struggling with depression and anxiety. So those, those boxes, one is called the sympathy hope kit. And the other one is the hope kit for cancer. And uh, it's just, it's just awesome to be able to be here and to be able to help people. So, um, and, and another thing that me and my boys did is we got so motivated to serve, and it was so helpful. My boy said, "Let's make another goal, Dad." <laughs> so they said, "Why don't we try to get a box to everybody uh, in every state in the United States?"
0: Boys, big goal. I
1: was like, uh, "Okay."
0: <laughs> I was good. like.
1: I was like, if you guys want it, let's make it happen, and um, last week, um, we delivered our last box to Vermont, And, and I'm happy to say that we have 50 boxes in 50 different states, and to think that there's so many people that are benefiting and getting happier is just like, this is awesome. This is, going back to what the doctor said, it's like, Cancer has a way of enhancing your life. (laughs) I was like, okay, I get it now. I understand, but I had to do some work to get here. But my relationships with my boys, my relationship with God, um, who I've become, who I've met, has just been so enjoyable and powerful because I was willing to like do the hard things and not wait for things to get better, but being able to go and find my happiness again.
0: And you have a second chance at love, right? Um, met somebody else. Y- yeah. A second chance.
1: Are you um, talking about my, my wife now? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think through this and doing the work, um, Finding myself again. I, I've been able to get married this year. I got married in January. And thank you. And, and Kirsten has lost her husband to cancer. So together, obviously, we have a story together. But we keep helping each other. And we talk about each other's spouse as if they were there here. Uh, we honor them. And then we're able to help more people. And uh it's it's just amazing experience to grow through and to become happier. And um the and the last miracle, <laughs> I don't know if you read this, Danielle. Um, so Kirsten didn't have any kids of her own. She her previous husband had two girls, and when she died, she didn't have she kind of lost a lot of connection with them. and doctors said you'll never have kids you just you just got to be okay with that and earlier this year um, God works in mysterious ways is is we found out that she is pregnant oh wow. and um, w- we will be having a baby uh, the end of December to be able to <laughs> To, to be able to add to our family and how amazing that is. And, and it's like, sometimes it's hard to go through such hard times and, and many people just want to give up and just give up on maybe the miracle that is out there that will happen. But we, sometimes we just have to wait through those hard moments and again, I, I believe whether it be God or life, those miracles will come. But again, we have to do the hard work sometimes to allow the window of opportunity to come back around. And 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 I can honestly say that. And and hopefully this gives hope to people that are maybe sitting in it and struggling and just saying life's not fair or why did this have to happen to me? Or um, um, I didn't choose this. Hopefully, my story can help you find hope again, um, because life can be good again. Um, those memories don't go away, but I know I know that life can be good again because what I'm experiencing in my own life
0: inspire me. Up. Your story has inspired me what I've been going through. And I think that your spouses gave you that um, miracle baby in some way. This miracle child, mm-hmm. I think so. I think that like, your spouses work to do that and send you to each other. And I think that's yeah, it's just amazing. Um, where can listeners actually find your uh, basket?
1: Oh, they, they're, it's hopekit.com. Okay. And it's like hopekit, K-I-T, K-I-T.com. And um, you can find the kits there. You can reach out to us if you want, if you're inspired or you want some more guidance. My email is jason at hopekit.com. i um, happy to reach out and uh, help you in this process.
0: It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing that you found a second career out of this, um, a family kind of career. Um, it's like a family run business now and that you had a second chance at everything. Um, I just think this is a beautiful, beautiful story. And um, I'm so hopeful right now because I, 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 you just, you've just given me so much inspiration. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here on my podcast. and, and You're yourself. welcome. And thank you so much for just connecting with me and um, even just with my issue right now with my mom. Um, this was On Air with Danielle Gray. And thank you so much, Jason. And we will leave um, your uh, website in the show notes. For everybody to find, so that they can get those baskets, because everybody, I'm sure, has dealt with those three issues. And I just, I think their story is so amazing. So thank amazing. you, thank <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> You're awesome.
0: <laughs> um, this has been an episode of On It with it's not Another deep dive conversation. Thank you so much for listening or watching on YouTube. Thank you.